Zephaniah chapter 3, verse number 1. Woe to her that is filthy and polluted to the oppressing city. Here we see God pronounces a woe on the people of Israel because they're filthy and they're polluted. Now how does a people become filthy and polluted that once had the standard of lifting up God, had the standard of worshiping God, praising God, the ways of God, and all of a sudden these people turn polluted and filthy. The eyes of God that established them said, you're filthy and polluted. Well, if you want to know how that happened, just look at the USA. A country that was founded on the Word of God, a country that was founded on the worship of God and the ways of God. Now look at us. We're about as far away from God as you can get today. We're just filthy and polluted. In any other country in this world, we right there with them, we're filthy and polluted. People will say this about our country. Our nation's in bad shape. Our, our nation is wicked. Our, our nation is ungodly. Do you know what they're saying when they say that my nation's uh, wicked, nation's ungodly? What they're saying is the nation is made up of people. And what they're saying is the people of the USA is unwicked, is, uh, ungodly, and, and they're, they're just filthy and polluted. That's what they're saying. We're a nation that stands against God and we're heading to hell as fast as we can go. When we say our nation's turned ungodly, people have turned wicked and ungodly. We're living in a society that has turned filthy and polluted today. If you want your life to end up filthy and polluted, here's how you do it. Look at verse number 2. This is how the nation of Israel became filthy and polluted. And if you want your life to become filthy and polluted, uh, that's your prerogative. You have to choose it. But uh, if you look at this, I believe if we grab a hold of these things, it will help us. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this evening. Lord, just open up our hearts and minds and receive the message we stand in need of. Help us to look at your word and apply it to our lives. And Father, we'll just praise you what you do. And just help us tonight. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Let me see, if you get a hold of the principles that I will give you tonight, that every child of God needs in their life, it will keep your heart right. It will give you a recipe to walk your life serving God and getting closer to God and well-pleasing to God. There are some things that Israel refused to do. God told them to obey, and they obeyed not the voice. God tried to correct them, and they received not the correction. God told them to trust in Him, and they trust not in the Lord. God told them to draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you but they would not draw near to Him. If I find that if we receive the things that Israel refused, 
I can walk with God in the way that I should. Listen to me. You cannot continuously, you cannot continuously refuse in the Word of God, the voice of God, when God is trying to tell you something, God's trying to give you something. You keep refusing what God is trying to give you. You cannot continuously do that because you wind up in the wrong place. You must receive the things that God is trying to give us. That God is asking you to receive. What are the things that we need to receive that Israel refused? Well, it's all here in verse number two. First of all, they refused compliance. They, she obeyed not the voice. They refused to obey the voice of God. So what voice did they hear it wasn't an audible voice it wasn't a booming voice uh, uh, God is not speaking in some booming voice of the nation of Israel what goat voice did she reject in these days it was the voice of the man that was preaching the word of God it was the prophet that God had called they would stand out on the streets and preach what God had said to him, what God has put in their heart. Uh, if we go back to Jeremiah, we've studied Jeremiah now. If you go back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah preached for 40 years to the nation of Israel. And they would not listen to the voice of God which was being preached through Jeremiah. I see him getting up every day because the Bible said in verse 1, chapter 1 of Jeremiah, that he anointed him, he had called him to preach the word of God. I can see this man getting up every day. He's standing out on the corner of the street and he's all he's doing is preaching the word of God. Repent, repent, danger is coming, a bondage is coming, you need to repent from the ways that you're going on. And for 40 years he preached that message and nobody listened to him. Nobody paid attention. I imagine there was some of them promises. Why don't you just take that into church where it belongs? It don't need to be out here on the streets with us. Just take it into the temple and be quiet. Leave us alone. And he said, repent. They repent. They would walk by and shake their heads. They would mock him, curse him. They put him in prison. They throw him in a dungeon. They're they, they trying to get rid of the man of God that was telling them, this is the voice of God. Repent. They heard it and they heard it. And God sent a voice. God sent them a voice and they refused to listen to what God had to say. They would not obey the voice. Listen to me now. One of the worst things that you can do in your Christian life is when you get to the place where you refuse to receive the preaching, preaching of the Word of God. And that's what I'm doing tonight, preaching the Word of God. I'm just preaching you the Bible, telling you what God has told me to tell you. I'm trying my best to preach the Bible. One of the worst places that a Christian ever get is when they read the Bible and it does not do anything in their heart or soul. It, 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 it's just words they post on social media today. It's part of their, it's far from their daily life. 
It doesn't change the way they talk. It doesn't change the way they live. It doesn't change the way they walk. It doesn't change how they treat somebody. It doesn't change how they change their membership. It doesn't change anything. It does not move in their hearts anymore. It doesn't even change the way they become a church member. Goes in one ear and out the other ear. The most dangerous place you can get is when you hear the voice and hear the voice, but you do not comply with the voice that's speaking to your heart. That's what got Jerusalem destroyed in the days of Jeremiah. Uh, living the Christian life is, is not that hard. I've heard people say it's a hard thing to do. I mean, you go through trials and you go through tribulations, understand, but it's not that hard thing to do. Just hear what God says and do what God says. That's all you got to do. And everybody's trying to find the latest fad, the latest fashion. They're looking for a brand new way. They're trying to find something new. I just have a hard time dealing with what God has already done told me to do. I have a hard time dealing with the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, God, goodness, uh, temperance. I, I have a problem dealing with that. I, I don't need to try to find something new to deal with. I mean, I have a, I have a problem dealing with the flesh. It, it works. It says lust, malice, and, and, and backbiting. I have, a I have a hard time dealing with those things. I don't need to find something new about it. I'm just trying to do what God has told me to do already. Yeah. I'm trying to obey what He said to do already. You know, I find a lot of people don't like what God has said. God has said, do this and do that, and they refuse. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. I look at around those who are refusing to do what God has told them to do. You can tell by the fruits of their labor what they're producing, that whether they're doing what God has told them to do or what God has told them not to do. If you want the right kind of Christian life, there must be some compliance. Look at Jeremiah chapter 38. Jeremiah and Zephaniah kind of complement each other. They both preach and prophesy about the same things. We have just studied this in our Sunday school lessons. Jeremiah 38, verse 14. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet unto him into the third entry, and that it was in the house of the Lord. And the king said unto Jeremiah, I will ask thee a thing, hide nothing from him. Now Jeremiah was down in the pit. Down in a dry well, and he got him up. I mean, Jeremiah had been preaching the whole time, telling him, you know, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. God said, do this, God said, to do that, God said, don't do that. But they didn't want to hear. But now the king draws him up and says, I, I want you to tell me privately. Come close to me. Then Jeremiah said unto Zedekiah, If I declare it unto thee, wilt thou not surely put me to death? And if I give you the counsel, wilt thou not hearken unto me? <laughs> so Zedekiah the king swore secretly unto Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord liveth, 
that made us this soul, I will not put thee to death, neither will I give thee into the hand of these men that seek thy life. Then said Jeremiah unto Zedekiah, here's the voice, here's the voice that he refused to listen to. Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if thou wilt surely go forth into the king of Babylon's princes, then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burnt with fire, and thou shalt live in thy house. What Jeremiah is saying, if, if you do what God said to do, everything will be all right. Everything's going to go all right. Your life will be spared. Your house will be spared. Your family will be spared. But if you don't obey the voice of God, destruction is coming. That's the Christian life today for people. The preacher preaches, and this is what the God said uh, to say. I, I'm not saying there won't be any uh, uh, bumps in the road, but God will help you. God will be with you. And, and you'll have joy and you have peace in your Christian life. But if you wittily walk against the voice of God, then there is certain destruction coming. But watch his response. Verse 19. And Zedekiah the king said unto Jeremiah, I'm, not a, I'm afraid of the Jews that have fallen to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hands and they mock me. But Jeremiah said, They shall not deliver thee. Obey, I beseech thee, the voice of the Lord, and I will speak, which I speak unto thee, so it shall be well unto thee, and thou shalt live. But if thou refuse to go forth, this is the word that the Lord has shown me. If you are telling me to do, people are going to think I am weak. People are going to think I, I'm not a good king. He, he's telling the king to get off your throne and go out the gates and present yourself to the king of Babylon and say, I surrender. The king of Israel said that the people will say, you're a traitor. You're a turncoat. You should have fought to the very end. You should have gone down with the ship. But that's not what God told him to do. This man fears man's ridicule more than they do God's word. This is what people say today. What, what your friends think if, you, if I don't hang out with them and if I don't go down to the bars with them, uh, they're going to call me all kinds of names. Uh, they're going to point their fingers at me. Uh, and, and you say, well, you're better off listening to what God says than going down where they go. I, I wouldn't worry about what people and my friends think about me. I'd worry more about what God thinks about me. But verse 21, If thou refuse to go the forth the word of the government the Lord showed me, and, all, and behold, all the wandering left in the king's Judah's house shall be brought before the king of Babylon princes and those women, and so on and so on. He tells him, he goes on and tells him exactly What's going to happen? What's going to happen to you? He lists all the things that's going to happen. He doesn't do a thing that Jeremiah told him to do. The city got taken. His sons got killed in front of him. His eyes got put out. 
The last thing, you figure about it, the last thing that this man saw was his own kids laying their head on the chopping block and they looking at their daddy and he's looking at them and then their head hits the ground. What a vision that you have to live with. They no longer can see, but all you can remember in your mind that your kids were laying on the block and their heads chopped off and you could have stopped that. I somehow get in my mind that when Zedekiah was in that prison cell, that somehow or another down in his soul, the Holy Spirit would have come to him and says, you should have listened. You, you should have just obeyed. You should have just complied with the Word of God said, the voice of God. You, you should have listened. If you listened, your kids would be alive. The city would have been saved. Your life would have been saved. But you refused. We're the same way today. God speaks to our hearts and our minds and tells us to do this and we don't comply with the thing that God says. The preacher gets up and preaches, thus saith the word of God. God tells you how to live, how to walk, how to dress, how to do this, what music to listen to, where you shouldn't go, where you should go. And yet we don't listen to it. We don't comply with it. And we want to know why our lives are down in a dump. Because you're not complying. You want to know why your life gets filthy and polluted? Because there's no compliance to the Word of God, the voice of God. Go back to Zephaniah. There was a refusal of compliance and there was a refusal of correction. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. Nobody likes to be told what they're doing is wrong. Nobody likes it. They did not divorce, obey the voice. They were getting, uh, 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 going the wrong way. And God is saying, stop, whoa, don't go that way. Uh, you've lost the, uh, uh, you lost the compliance, uh, but now you're heading the wrong direction. Stop, don't go. But there's something instilled in every one of us since the day we were born that we just don't like being told what to do. We refuse to, I, I refuse, you tell, you've got kids, y'all raised kids, I know I did, I raised one, you tell them, don't touch that, I'll, I'll smack your hands, don't touch that. And then we go to them, grab you. Don't touch that, he would dare you. We have stuff on the table and he'd just go over like, knock them off. I'll put it back. I said, don't you touch it. I'll tear you up. <laughs> Look me dead in my face. Smile at me. Says, do something about it. I've done something about it. Let me say this off record. If you allow your child to keep disobeying you when you say don't do that, don't do that, and you don't get into their rear ends, and I'm not talking about child abuse, you're going to be dreading it as the years come down the road. Don't do that. Stop it. That, that's what God was telling them. Don't go down that way. There's trouble down that way. Whoa! If she had not received correction, they would not comply with what God sent. 
Can I say this? Correction is a wonderful thing. God sends correction through many modes throughout our lives. He, he uses the preaching, His precepts. And if we will listen, the problem is we don't just keep doing what he want, we want to do. God used correction in His words and He will read it to you. You'll read it. You get into God's Word, it will correct you. Let me say this about preaching. If I can't correct you, I can't pastor you. If I can't correct you from the pulpit, from the Word of God, I, I can't pastor you. Because this is part of pastoring. You have to be able to trust the man of God that's standing in the pulpit that gives you counsel. It might not be the best. I'm not the greatest at it. But you need to trust the man that's standing in the pulpit that gives you counsel. And I'm talking about correction. None of us like it. None of us want a part of it. But I love preaching because I need correction. I need it. And it comes from the Word of God. Jeremiah 3, we see Sephaniah echoes the, the, what Jeremiah said, O Lord, are not thy eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have not refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Let me say, when God corrects you, don't become hard. Don't get all huffy and puffy at God. You say, what should my attitude be in my life when God corrects me? Jeremiah 10, 23 tells us, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It's not man that walked with the direct his steps. He said, Jeremiah was just saying, I can't direct myself. I can't help myself. I can't save myself. Oh, Lord, I am surrendering to you. You correct me. You guide me. I don't even know which way to go. Here's what I'm asking. In verse 24, he said, Oh, Lord, correct me, but with judgment. Not in anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. He said, Lord, this is what I want you to do. I can't fix myself. I am nothing but man made of dust. So, Lord, you correct me. Point me in the way that I should go. Tell me what I should do and what I should not do. And, Lord, I will be glad to receive your correction. That's what we need to do. Receive the correction of God. Can I say also they refused the confidence. She obeyed not the voice. She received not the correction. She trusted not in the Lord. Now she's having refusing, uh, having confidence in the Lord. If you go back and read Jeremiah, you know what they were trusting in when they're Jeremiah's days? They were trusting in the king. 
They were trusting in the fact that Jerusalem had these big walls around them and that nobody could come against them, nobody could beat them. In fact, nobody had up the time to King Nebuchadnezzar had came along and nobody had whipped them. Nobody could come against them. God's hand was on them. But when they got in the backslidden condition, when they started worshiping false idols, then God pulled his hand back and says, I'll take care of you. Bible says it's better to put trust in the Lord than confidence in princes. They, they were trusting in everything. They trust in the king. They trust in the wall. They trust in their military might. They were putting trust in everything except God. Then all of a sudden Nebuchadnezzar comes and busts the whole thing up. Everything that they had, everything they trusted in, everything they had confidence is now gone. It's no longer there. Everything that kept them from being uh, uh, safe and from troubles and trials now is gone. They, they had trust in the temple, but not in the God of the temple. Jeremiah 33 says, Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. All they had to do was call on God. God was saying, trust me, confide in me, comply with me, have confidence in me, and not in yourself. The problem is we put a lot of confidence in the things around us except for God. We put a lot of confidence in other men and ourselves except for God. You cannot trust a brother. You cannot trust a sister. You cannot trust anybody. The only person you can find to trust in is God Almighty. That's the only one. God is telling us today, have confidence in the Lord when you can't trust nobody else around you. You can trust in the Lord. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never lead you around the wrong path. He'll never guide you in the wrong direction. There's, they refused their confidence. They refused closeness. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. And she drew not near to God. You would think as wicked and ungodly society that they were living in, and all the problems that we're having, you would think it would have drove them closer to God instead of further away from God. They, they were surrounded. They were getting ready to go into captivity. Looks like we're in a bad shape, buddies. What are you going to do? I'm going to run from God. I'm not going to get close to God. Listen, as dark and, and wicked as this world is today, we don't need to get further away from God. We need to get closer to God. There are those that think this world is getting better. But it ain't. It's getting worse. The old preacher used to say, if we just have a economic collapse if we have some tragedy to come into our country hello COVID shut the country down millions died churches shut down didn't open the doors it's amazing to me how they COVID came and they shut churches down where everybody should have been running to but they ran away from but boy, you could go down to the ABC store and run right down there and be a line down there and they'd be open for you in a heartbeat. 
We're running from the things that we need in life and running to the things that we don't need in life. And there are churches today that still have not opened up again. There's churches that's permanently closed. There are people today that are still afraid to come out and go to church. Amen. I think you think, well, we've had some great catastrophe in this country. You think people draw. I know, remember when 9-11 happened, the churches were full. But it didn't take long. The churches got empty again. It got empty again. I, I believe if they'd open, let the churches stay open, I believe people would have ran to the church seeking God, trying to find God during that time. But they shut the churches down. It happens. The churches were shut down. If there's ever a day that we need to get closer to God, it is the day that we live in today. We ought to get closer than we've ever been before. I, I, I see the signs and the world is going on and our government around the world and just all this chaotic stuff, all this immorality stuff, all this junk on TV. It's getting worse and worse and worse. We don't need to run from God. We need to run to God. I, I believe we're living in a day where Christians will read their Bible, look for a loophole to find out how they can live the life they want to live. Why are you living that life? Well, I couldn't find anything in the Bible against you. You ain't read hard enough. It's like I said before, it's like a, it's like a buffet. We're going to go through and pick out what I want to live by and what I don't want to live by. You need to get, get a hold of the Word of God and get it in your life today. Because when time comes, that's all you're going to be able to be depend on is what you got in your heart and your mind. You don't think they ain't coming for these books right here? They hate this Word right here. They hate the church. They hate Christians. Don't believe me? Mm. Mm. It is coming. It's coming. The agenda of this world is not to come and please you. Your agenda of this world is coming to destroy you. To get you up out of this. If you don't believe like we believe, then we're going to get rid of you. If you don't accept what we do, we're going to get rid of you. That's the mindset we're having today. You've got to get closer to God. And, and, and the only way you can do it, if you just flip what Israel refused to do, they, they refused the correction, they refused the compliance, they refused the, the confidence in the Lord, and they, they refused the closeness. If we can just flip that and say, you know what, Lord, I'll take correction. I, I'll take a, a compliance when you give me my compliance, Lord. I, I, I'll take a, the confidence in you knowing that you're able to do all things. I, I want to get close to you. If we just flip that, then we'll be able to live a Christian life that's pleasing to God. But if you want to live a polluted and filthy life, you just do what Israel did. Reject God. Reject the voice. Reject the confidence in Him. Reject the compliance. Reject the uh, correction. Don't get close to Him. You'll be living like the world out there. That's what He's saying. Woe unto the refusal. We refuse. Amen.